You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am what I am. I am my Hi, I'm Andrew Child, and welcome to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast a companion piece to the Routledge Press publication 50 Key Stage Musicals, which is available for purchase by going to routledge.com or clicking the link below in today's show description. Today's episode focuses on Chapter 32, La Cage à Fond. And with us today is the author of that chapter, Professor Robert W. Schneider. Professor Schneider holds academic appointments at Penn State University, New York Film Academy, and the University of Mount Union. He is the artistic director of the J2 Spotlight Musical Theatre Company, original programming producer at Feinstein's 54 Below, as well as the host of the podcasts Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, Gay Card Revoked, and This Was a Thing. He is also the co-author of 50 Key Stage Musicals. Hey, Rob, how's it going today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am Doing well, thank you. So, we're going to be talking about Lacage. Yes, we are. Posters so, right on my wall. I don't know if you oh, can see it, but it's right there. Right there. Oh, I see it. I, wow. There you go. Yeah. So, we know you're a true diehard fan. I am. I got a poster. <laughs> you got the poster yes. and everything. You got it behind you in your little Zoom setup here. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wow. So, yes, I love the show. Yeah. Talk to us. You got the poster on your wall. Why? Does it get a whole chapter in this book? What makes Lacage a key musical? Besides that it was the first musical I ever saw on Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my personal journey with it. Um, in terms of why we study it, it's the first musical that has a gay couple in at the center of the story. Mm. We'd had other we'd had gay characters every like once in a blue moon uh, <laughs> prior to this, but this is the first gay relationship on a broadway stage on a broadway stage okay we'd we'd had other productions of like off broadway like boy meets boy and Mm -hmm. you know superfluous gay characters and things like well not superfluous i shouldn't say that but periphery characters in things like applause and lady Mm -hmm. in the dark but this is the first time we're seeing queerness um as the major central focal point of a broadway musical and so in the chapter you talk obviously a lot about what it meant to fight to put this story on a Broadway stage, what it meant to 
keep this show running on a Broadway stage. Um, also to have it try out in Boston. Um, do you want to just summarize for listeners who haven't gotten a chance to read through the book yet? Uh, what did that actually look like? Sure. So Le Cage Full was based on a very popular French play uh, by uh, Jean Poirot uh, that is, if you've seen The Birdcage, then you've seen Le Cage Full, um, which was a farce. It was, it was a farce where it's literally you can't take it with you. Uh, it's anti-mame just with a gay couple, which is it's, it's a classic trope, which is a conservative family meets a liberal family. That's the trope. Right. But in this case, the liberal family is a gay family. It's uh, two men who are raising um, a 20 year old son. And the 20 year old son has come home to say, hey, listen, I'm getting married. Oh, and by the way, the parents are uh, incredibly conservative and are incredibly homophobic. And then hilarity ensues, which it did in the farce. In the farce, there's nothing sentimental about it. Mm -hmm. It's a big, silly, fun farce, the same way you can't take it with you where the man who came to dinner is. Got turned into a movie in the late 70s. And that foreign film, because it was an Italy-French co-production, was a huge international hit. It which was is crazy, because when you watch it, it's like, but your mouths don't line up with what you're saying because <laughs> no. that that word co-production yeah. is super generous. It was like a <laughs> Italian it's... French like clusterfuck, you know. Yes, like... it was that from the from the original French version, Michel Soro, uh, who played uh, the Alban character, he did it in French and he speaks French in the movie. And then Ugu Tagnazzi, who's sort of like a Harrison, like our equivalent, like a Harrison Ford, <laughs> like Liam Neeson type. He's Italian and he's speaking Italian, but they've dubbed him in French. It's it is a interesting experience. However, though, the movie was a huge international success. And uh, it, once again, it's one of the first times we're seeing queerness being put front and center. It's mm. funny. There, it, there's a heart to the movie. There is a heart to the mm. movie. And that's what inspired Jerry Herman to write he wanted to write the score of it he looked at it and he said this is a musical this is a musical mm. these characters are sh should be singing problem is he got to the rights too late and producer alan carr who gave us not only grease is the word the movie uh, but will also give us the incredible 1989 oscar ceremony and if you've never seen that people <laughs> take a look at it alan carr was uh huge huge at that time and he got the rights to the movie and he told Jerry Herman, I'm sorry, I've already got another team on it. Um, and the team was Mike Nichols, who was going to direct it at the time. Tommy Toon was going to choreograph. Maury Yeston was writing the score and Jay Preston Allen was writing the book. Wow. These are big names. I mean, these That's are huge, That's... heavy hitters. Yeah. And then over time, all of those original creative team just sort of went away. And nobody, you know, and it's like, a, like I say in the chapter, it's like a Rashomon quality of why did they all leave? Some mm -hmm. because of money, some because producers were like, we need gay, you know, we actually need people that are gay to be on the team. So mm -hmm. Arthur Lawrence took over direction. Harvey Firestein, fresh off a of Torch Song trilogy, did the book. And Jerry Herman did the score. And all three gay men. And I think you'll probably agree it makes a huge difference going from that movie to this musical that yeah. have these heartfelt ballads, these beautiful moments that just, if I talk about them, I'm going to get choked up and start crying. They're so stunning and beautiful. I don't think that a straight creative team, a totally heterosexual creative team, 
could have done this, at least not at that time. Uh, no, definitely not at that time. Um, but I think what's really important is, and it's the thing that calls Lacage into criticism today, is that Arthur Lawrence's main drive on this show was he said, listen, yes, it's about gay people, but it's about family first and foremost. Mm -hmm. It always has to be about family and entertaining the audience. It just happens to be this family is if there's a quote unquote problem with the family or what makes them eccentric, it's their sexuality. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's got to be entertaining. And because he went in with the idea of let's entertain the audience, he was able to educate them at the same time. I agree mm. with you. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I have lots of straight friends who are incredible allies, but I do agree with you. I think having straight people on creating a, a, a homosexual, a gay love story, I, right. I think, yes, I think some things would have been missed. I really do. Well, and I think the proof of that, and I, I'll say that again, let's just say we're talking about contemporarily to this, you know? Um, I think the proof of that is, um, you're right. The Lacage, the movie, that international sensation, there is some heart to that. Lacage 2 and Lacage 3 are just nonsense. Like drivel, it's just like, ha ha, that oh! man married that man and now they are fleeing because they're like in the witness protection program, you know? Oh, it's, yes. It's fun and I love it. But there's absolutely no heart. There's no backbone. I feel like that comes in with Harvey Firestein fresh off of Torch Song Trilogy. Yeah. And I think in the movie version. Now, this is also interesting The when they got the rights to Lacage, mm -hmm. they did not have the rights to the movie. They had the rights to the play. Okay. So things that were introduced in the movie, they could not use. So okay. like the 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 uh, um the the uh the, the mother the actual mother who shows up in, okay they couldn't use her because she wasn't in the play she was only in the movie Got it. it's sort of like the applause all about eve thing which was the musical applause only had the story that all about eve was based on they didn't have the movie the movie okay um so uh why, why why was i'm just mentioning every single like gay totem for myself right now <laughs> and so and then we'll go back. Um, I'm sorry. You you were you were saying uh, I I'm so sorry. I'm no, so we sorry. were talking about I'll edit how this. <laughs> okay, sorry. we were talking about how this creative team was able to bring so much heart to this, and I think. That oh that, yes, yeah. yes. There's two moments in the movie that I find really fascinating that they can't put in the in the musical, and it makes me sad. Well, one they kind of do, one they don't. The one that's not in the musical at all is the beautiful scene where it's uh, Alban has found out that he's not allowed to meet the family. And mm -hmm. so he goes to the train station by himself and Renato comes and he sits down next to him and he has this beautiful monologue about I have the most gorgeous cemetery plot. And it mm -hmm. over and it's so beautiful and it's so wonderful. Um, and your cemetery plot, which is like 20 miles away, is a piece of shit but I sold my really nice one because I just want to be with you for the rest of my life. It is mm -hmm. so beautiful. And if you're a fan of the birdcage, it's the same scene right. where they're at the bus stop waiting. Um, that to me, I was always like, why is that not in Lacage? Why is that mm -hmm. not in the musical? I'm assuming because it's in the movie, they don't have the rights to do that. Right. But the thing I find really fascinating about the movie being adapted to a musical is the I am what I am song. Mm 
that our band sings mm -hmm. is actually, in my opinion, some lines that Renato has in the Lacage movie, because in the movie, he says to his son, he's like, yeah, I'm old. Yeah, I'm gay. Yeah, I wear makeup, but I know who I am. And it took me a long time to get this way. And I'm not changing. And I, and I find it interesting. I understand why, but I find it interesting that they basically took the essence of that speech in the movie and gave it to the other character mm -hmm. to, 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 to sing. It makes sense. It, it makes sense. It makes it sense. But I always I found that very interesting in, in the transition over. And let's let's talk about that song. Let's talk about an iconic the national anthem, anthem of. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, as I understand it, it was it was written as a scene. Harvey Firestein wrote the scene where Alban tells George off. And Jerry Herman said uh, one of the lines was, I am what I am. And Jerry Herman said, I have to have I have to have that, that I have mm. to have that. That's the song and crafted the one of the most beautiful theatrical moments in which this character who's been bullied and pushed around and thought less of for an entire act finally just stands up on their feet and says, if you don't like who I am, then you leave. I don't leave. Right. You you change. I don't change. And I think for the gay community who had for so long in media, in media, been looked at as a punchline, mm -hmm. not sympathetically, as a laugh, to give that dignity, I think, spoke volumes. Then to have it in the middle of the AIDS crisis, where mm -hmm. not only are they jokes, now they're pariahs, because remember, at that time, it was oh, God, there's a gay person. If they look at me, I'm going to get this. You know, a lot of theaters, I think in the West End, some of them laid plastic down on the seats because there was a fear from patrons that they would get AIDS by uh, by sitting on seats that gay people had sat in. Wow. And people didn't want to sit too close to the stage because there was a fear that the gay, the AIDS would come across the footlights and infect people in the audience. Mm -hmm. And we laugh, not laugh now, but we now we go, are you are you really serious? Right. It's absolutely serious. Absolutely serious. So to give them to give our community an anthem at a time when we're getting bullied on both sides, it, mm -hmm. it, it will it will never, ever be underestimated what that song gave. Uh, the community mm. even though in the original cast it's of course being sung by a famously straight man that you know that was one of the, you know i got a chance to talk to the original casting director of lacage uh stuart howard mm. he i said to him i said you know who else was up for the these two roles of these gay men and he he named he's he named a bunch of people like Richard Kiley and John McMartin and, you know, Gene mm -hmm. Barry, George Hearn uh, that ended up getting it. And I said, how come you didn't consider any gay actors to, to, to play the role? And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He goes, can you tell me what openly gay actors were in 1983? Right. And he was absolutely correct. He said the one person that it was it came down to George Hearn and. Um, it was Charles Pierce. And if, oh. our, if our listeners don't know who Charles Pierce is, he was a very famous, he called himself a male actress. Um, he was a female, basically he was a female impersonator. Um, and it was between him or George Hearn. 
Now, while he never did any like public stories about being out until much later in his life, that would have been close enough. But I think I think Stuart Howard is absolutely right, which is there's no there's no I I don't know what openly gay. It's not like today, thank God. But by having a story like Lacage on stage, even though it's being played by two heterosexual actors, it's at least allowing the uh, gay people to see, oh my gosh, I'm being, my character at least is being represented on stage. And families that were maybe homophobic to go in to see it and go, oh, I, 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 I see what's going on now. Mm-hmm. A, a personal story. Yeah. When we saw Lacage, I was four years old maybe when, when my parents took me to see it. And we went oh. with my grandfather who was a Marine, always had a cigar in his mouth, very tough. And this is a true story. We he came to see the show. And after the opening number where the guys took their wigs off and they revealed in the opening number that they were they were men, he mm-hmm. just got up <laughs> and, oh, and walked walked to the back of the theater. At the end of the show, unbeknownst to us, he had watched the entire show and was in the back of the audience crying. Moved by what he eventually saw. And mm. I remember afterwards there was a shift in him. He didn't really he never used the F word again. Uh, he never I never heard him speak about gay people in a pejorative manner after that. Wow. And yeah, so I and I think that's important. I think that's important. And I know, like I said, a lot of the criticism about Lacage now, the original production is mm-hmm. it didn't do enough. OK. And why were these two straight guys playing the gay guys? Mm. Well, one, you there was sorry just you have to sell broadway tickets these guys sold tickets number one Mm -hmm. and number two i think it's important that the story at this time got out there regardless of who was telling the story i think Mm -hmm. it was important that the story got out there which now allows us to have the conversation of now who gets to tell the story right and do you do you think because I might go either way on this one, but do you feel like these are roles that moving forward should always be played by gay men? I don't. I'm listen, I'm a gay man. I'm a proud gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, my, but my at the end of the day, my feeling is. What tell what gets our story out there? Mm. What gets our story out there? Will and Grace for my generation, mm-hmm. I can only speak for my generation did more, I think, to let people of my generation know that being gay wasn't weird, that being gay was normal. I don't give two shits that who Eric McCormick goes home and sleeps with. Mm-hmm. All I know is that somebody saw a gay character and they said, it's not weird. It's not strange. Mm. That And that's just my opinion, because yeah. I think when we go down that, it goes into a really slippery slope. Because mm-hmm. then I'm going to say, well, isn't it, it, is this a two-way street? Does that mean gay people can't play straight characters? Mm-hmm. Which was, the speaking of Will and Grace, the criticism yeah. of Sean Hayes doing Promises, Promises, that yes. he wasn't passing, you know? I mean, listen, I f- first of all, I saw Promises, Promises. Trust me, that was not the problem with the show. He was, <laughs> he was lovely. I don't know. I don't, he, that was not the problem with that show. That's just my opinion. And I I'm also older. So I think there's a whole new uh, understanding that I need to I'm oh, I understand where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that for me, it does not bother me. 
I was Great. not I was not bothered that James Corden was a straight man playing a gay man in the prom. I was bothered by many other things. That was not I was one of them. Say that wasn't the problem. That to me, James that was Corden in the prom. Oh, that, that was yeah. <laughs> that to me that hit because I think at that point we just go down a slip a, a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, because to me it's like an ultimatum. Well, the question is, if we can't have a gay person do this, do we just not tell the story at all? Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like I think it's more important that the story is told. Would I love it that it was an all queer creative team and an all queer actors? And of course I would. Mm-hmm. Of course I would, but I'm also I also understand the situation, and I know the future generations will change that. Mm-hmm. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, and then, you know, we're jumping ahead in time, but I can't imagine. Um, I don't want to hear any criticism of the birdcage the movie i can't imagine anyone doing those two roles i can't imagine anyone doing any roles in that other than who is cast in it but robin williams and nathan lane you know one of them being a gay man is just so perfect oh absolutely absolutely and same you know same thing it's like i don't care that robin williams is a straight individual i don't care Mm -hmm. He's telling our story and he's one of the biggest fucking movie stars and people are going to go see the movie because he's a movie star. And not only that, he happens to fall in that Venn diagram where, yeah, he's a big movie star. He's also a really great performer. Absolutely. Um, He does that role. And that scene you were just talking about from the original movie um, is so beautiful with the two of them. He and Mike Nichols. Also, um, I, I don't know how he identified because yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into that. But okay. Mike, yeah. but but Mike Nichols directs it beautifully. Mm. Directs it beautifully. So I think, to, going back to Lacage, I think that that's it's very important that the idea that the the stories are being told. Let's get the stories out there, and then we'll figure out later on who's going to tell it the next time. Mm. That's just my opinion, and right. I know, and I know there's lots of people who disagree but I can only speak from my personal experience. So, and this is a show that has uh, come back to Broadway several times. It's gotten it, several... It, every, every time it comes back, it wins Best Musical. It does, yeah. It's... I mean, sorry, Best Revival. Best Revival. It's got a great track record. Have you gotten to go back since oh, you were yes. four and seen it? I, oh, yes, I did. Okay. Oh, I saw the first night Robert Goulet was in Shut for up. the Jerry Zaks production, which unfortunately was not very good. And I okay. love, I love Jerry Zaks, but mm-hmm. um, 
Uh, it was just not a good production. And I saw the first night that Robert Goulet was in it and it was incredible because wow. um, he had no idea what was going on. But Beautiful. then he opened his he opened his mouth to sing Song on the Sand. Oh. And you were like, I can die happy now. See, I told you there's some songs in this that it's like, just say the title. I'm going to start crying. This is oh, yeah, a great that, score. So sentimental. So beautiful. That was really beautiful. And uh, uh, then I saw the one that Kelsey Grammer and Douglas Hodge did. That, to me, I think was the best production of Lacage I ever saw. Because they finally, they were so many. I'm going to be honest with you. It, the It's not the most effective dramaturgically Mm -hmm. the show i don't think um but i think they were able to get a lot of nice things in that particular production one that i've never understood i'm like why is the club so in in the broadway productions that i've seen Mm -hmm. before douglas hodge no who did it didn't uh, terry terry johnson i think directed it terry johnson i think directed it the club is always like some multi-million dollar extravaganza and mm. i was like isn't it some like tiny little club yeah and he they got that they got that brilliantly and they i'm i'm gonna brag because no offense to douglas hodges but i saw that production on tour when um christopher sieber was oh, doing yeah, it yeah oh my lord oh my lord incredible incredible love the production but christopher sieber brilliant Oh, my God. Yes. And they they were the ones there was a couple of things about the revival I really appreciated, which was one. They said it's a CD club because that Mm -hmm. was the other thing I could never figure out, which I was like, if the if the father in law is the guy who wants to close down all these gay clubs and Lacage is as big as it is, doesn't he know who owns it? Like, wouldn't he know who owns this when he that was always something that bothered me. And what I loved was that in the revival, it was this tiny little seedy campy club Mm -hmm. and you actually believed douglas hodge was a drag queen now i love george hearn Mm -hmm. i love george hearn more than anything because i think he's so freaking talented but he doesn't look like the star of the of a drag club in the riviera um i heard a very good story and i'm going to repeat it if i can if it's too anecdotal please stop me okay um george uh, they were doing a 10-year tour of Lacage, and it was going to be Gene Barry who created the role originally, and mm-hmm. Leroy Reams, um, oh, who, wow. play, who was coming in to play Alban, who was promised to do it before it closed, whatever, whatever. So when he sings Lacage, Leroy, he stops the number and he worked this out with Jerry Herman, and he does various impersonations. He does like Mae West, and he did Carol <laughs> Channing, and he did Tallulah Bankhead. And Jerry Herman was like, Yeah, this is great. And now he knew Leroy that Gene Barry and George Hearn didn't get along with each other. Um, and so Leroy was like, I'm so nervous to show this to Gene Barry because he's going to get angry. Mm. He's going to, he's going to be like, what, you know, George got all the great notices because it was the showy role. Now this guy's stealing my thunder by doing fucking impressions. Right. So he kept delaying and delaying and delaying and not doing it. And then finally at a run through, he had to do it. And Gene Barry's sitting there. And he does the number. He does Lacajo full with the impressions. And at the end, Gene Barry stands up and goes, that's it. He goes, that's it. He goes with George. You'd never believed he was a drag queen. He goes with George. He looked like a guy in a dress. 
He goes, he never once understood what drag was supposed to be. He goes, now this makes sense why <laughs> this guy is so successful. And I love that because it's actually true. Right. Which is, you know, God bless George Hearn. You look at him and you're like, you're the most famous drag queen on the Riviera. Sweeney Todd, what are you doing here? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And listen, I've seen, I, I saw it at Lincoln Center. I saw mm -hmm. the archive at Lincoln Center. And George okay. Hearn is fabulous in it. He oh, really I'm is. Sure. I'm sure he is. But that element that makes this, that's hard, which is, you know, it's that buildup. You've built, built up this character that he's a star at the mm -hmm. Riviera. And that's all you hear about. So when he performs, you've got to believe. You've got to see it. And unfortunately, with George Hearn, who really couldn't dance, he does. It's he looks like a guy in a dress, and it's not, it's not a. Well, it's, it's, and this brings us back to the conversation we were having before. You know, ethics aside, should these roles be played by gay men or should they not? Artistically, obviously, we gain something when the actor taking on this role is familiar with drag, is familiar yes. with performing camp, yes. is familiar with female impersonation, you know, is familiar with the with, culture. So it's yes. like another level there. Y yes, Gary Beach had that. Le mm -hmm. Leroy Reams had that. I mm -hmm. I don't know Douglas Hodge, so I can't I don't I can't say anything. But he had uh, Douglas Hodge he had, had well he, British that's different, like training yes. over there, you know, yeah. like that we can't compete yeah. with that, you know, he's and listen, been trained I, since he was 12, you know, and I, I also understand from a 1983 point of view, mm -hmm. why they might say, let's remind it that everyone that it's a guy in a dress. So that mm -hmm. way it doesn't, you know, people don't go, boy, he's doing this all, too. you know, that that sort of homophobia. Mm. You know what I mean? No, it, it, it makes sense. It all tracks. I just. I just feel like we're coming back to, you know, we both said, yeah, we're okay with straight men playing this role. And now we're hitting on like a different facet of, it, yeah, but you know, straight if, man playing this role, if they can make me believe that they're the star of this drag show in the Riviera. Great. Great. You, but you have mm -hmm. to make me believe it. You have right. to make me believe it. I don't care what you do in your personal, when you go home at night, but I got to right. believe this. I got to believe mm -hmm. this. So. Which I guess we do with Eric McCormick in Will and Grace. Yeah, you I um, for me, yeah. I go, oh yeah, it's a gay, it's a it's a game. I'm gonna be this will my this might be a hot take. I believe Sean Hayes was in love with Kristen Chenoweth when I saw Promises Promises. Like I don't That's give it huge. Like, but did I don't, you believe her back? Did you believe she was in love with Sean Hayes? God bless her. Yes, I she, <laughs> first of all, she's so talented. She's so talented. She that is. was one of those situations where like they were trying to beef up a role for a, and it just threw the balance of the story off because like you don't okay. know why you're beefing that roll up i don't mm. know and I, I i that's a whole other conversation well yeah we'll do that another sorry another episode yeah but yeah so that's so for me these that's that's why lakash is important <laughs> that's it's a long answer to a short question so where do we think what's the future for lakash do we think it has legs to stand on to keep getting revived do we have performers we want to keep seeing in these roles or do we think it had its its runs course we had a grand old time we'll see these songs in little reviews i you know this is a really great question because i'll be honest with you i think mm -hmm. if they were going to announce this show tomorrow and it was actors that were not 
queer in the lead roles. I think that would be a big problem. I think yeah. that the community would not be appreciative of that. Um, and I think that it would be about the shows around it, that we've got some other yeah. things happening, yeah. some hot button things yeah. that it would be really hard to say, let's just look at Lacage when we yeah. have these other tangibly bad casting choices um, happening yeah across the broadway season i also would love to see when it comes when it comes i think it will come back i think it will come mm -hmm. back i would love to see when it comes back that the two leads i mean the whole show ideally but the two leads are, are actors of color um because we've mm. never had that it's always been white actors in those two leads interesting and, and somebody had mentioned recently they said wouldn't you love to see billy porter and brian stokes mitchell oh um, wow do it and, you know, Brian is straight, but I, I would still be very happy. I think that's yeah, I think Billy Porter would be a fabulous choice. So, yeah, I think if the show can change with the times, mm. I think. Oh, that was another point that I thought was really I mean, I think the issue. Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about the show. I think that one of the issues that people have with the show is that one, it's it's a little too, quote unquote, safe. OK, you know. One, it's almost Dear Evan Hansen quality, which is the kid who's the asshole gets what he wants at the end. This kid comes okay. in, this kid comes in and says, Mom, you know, dad and dad. Well, he calls her mom, he calls her mom, mom and dad. I want you to go hide who you are. And they go, okay. Mm -hmm. And then he puts them all through all this crap. And at the end, he still gets the girl. It does. So, like, out. he doesn't get punished. I mean, he realizes he was acting like an asshole, but there's no sort of like, but is that permissible here? Because like you said, this is, you can't take it with you. This oh, is yes. like the here, oldest story yeah. in the book. Yeah. It's like, we're Absolutely. not here to see someone get punished. We're here to no, see it's a conservative versus liberal versus Absol progressive. Absol fight, fight, yes. fight. Yes, Absolutely. And the other thing that I thought the re last revival did, which I was like, thank God, somebody like dropped, like figured this out. Because mm -hmm. I don't think our, well, I don't want to get, I want, I want to talk about Arthur Lawrence's direction. Okay, that's fine. There's a scene where they're at the cafe. This is before Song on the Sand. It's an outdoor mm -hmm. cafe. And George touches Alban's hand and Alban says, don't, please don't worry. You know, we're in public. People are going to see us. And ev so you go, oh, there must be people that are homophobic in this community. Everyone in this community welcomes them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sure, Jalbert, how are you? And I'm like, why is, what's the problem? Why is he mm. saying there's homophobia? No one's treating them any differently. And right. in the revival, they was really smart without adding any lines of dialogue. There was a guy sitting upstage at the cafe who saw George put his hand on Alban. And you could tell the guy was like, the fuck is that? Mm. Why are two guys touching each other? Mm-hmm. And then Alban said, George, don't worry in public. And I was like, oh, there now it makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Now it makes sense that the, that because what they crafted originally was a community of like happy villagers where mm -hmm. everyone was like, we love you. And now but now to bring in this idea of this guy being like, I don't, why, why are the guys touching each other? Now it makes sense. OK, so I would love to see maybe a little bit more of that in future productions. Mm. I think there's still a life to it. I mean, it's it's you know, is it as progressive as other queer stories we've had since? No, but 
is it heartwarming and friend? And also that isn't that part of like our queerness, which is to be like, we just want to be seen in a normal light, the same way other characters are seen. It's a mm-hmm. family going through a problem. Right. It's a family and all families go through problems, whether they're gay or straight. So right. to, to me, I'm like, I, I, yeah, I, I think it will last. I would be surprised, right. though, if the next revival did not, you know, feature actors of color as, as the leads, because I think that's what's going to have to bring it back. Interesting. Well, and I also think, um, you know, I had this was in Boston um, and I won't say what theater it was, but reach out to me and a couple other people. They were like, we're having auditions for um, this play with, you know, cis gay male characters. And we really need to beef up cis gay men auditioning. And they were asking me to like distribute it and a couple other people I know to distribute to like the queer community. And I kind of wanted to just be like, what the hell? What do you mean? I can't throw a rock in a theater and hit like straight men. Like, what are you talking about? You can't find them you can't now we have the opposite issue who if we wanted to cast two straight actors in this who would you go to where are they right nowhere (laughs) i can't find them we drove them out we don't have that issue anymore so it is interesting come back guys we're sorry right right when you know that's not a demographic that we're short on so i think it's very possible to cast this with an all queer cast. Oh, absolutely. Because now we have actors that are not afraid anymore mm-hmm. to hide their queerness. I mean, I found it so moving that the Boys in the Band revival mm. featured all out actors. That Awesome, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think things like, and you can say what you want about, because you know, I know people have strong feelings, but people like Ryan Murphy, that mm-hmm. are are continuing to show queer stories and show them in specific lights. I think that's great. I mean, and uh, I would be interested, honestly, to see a Lacage where it's two women as the leads. And you know what? I was just going to say, if Ryan Murphy gets his little hands on this, you're going to have Kathy Bates and Patty Lapone doing Lacage. So. Oh, fine with me. <laughs> fine me too. with me. Me too. <laughs> I'll be there with bells on. Um. But no, I think, yes, I think that because of the timelessness of the story, which is about family in crisis, that to me, I think will always, you know, mm-hmm. I I mean, I think there are some shows that are more progressive, like I said, for queer stories that will not get done as much because I think at some point they're going to seem really dated. And Lacage, right. I don't think Lacage will come off as dated as some other pieces. Well, because it wasn't not only was it not aiming like you said to be progressive it wasn't really even aiming to be cutting edge you know no. it was just aiming to have a good time and, to be real to and be enough sentimental pe- and enough people liked it to make it win over sunday in the park with george oh gosh let's so, talk about that it's what do you what do you want to talk about <laughs> i just think it was the correct decision you know let them have the pulitzer but you know i, think- I listen I agree wholeheartedly. Act one of Sunday is lovely. And then you're like, what the hell's happening in act two? Once that laser starts going, you're like, oh, I get it. They're going to win a Pulitzer. Okay, but Ah, I'm I'm out. I'm out. Yes, yes. Get me back. I mean, I know when we were putting the list together, people were like, I can't believe Sunday's not in here, but Lacage is. And I was like, can you tell me what Sunday opened the doors to except the exit? 
<laughs> hey, that laser thing I'm is kidding. cool. That laser I, thing is cool. <laughs> I think you can have both. I think you can have both. I think you can have that's what theater is. It doesn't have mm. to all be Sondheim. It doesn't have to all be Jerry Herman. You can absolutely have both. But I think it also is a pretty huge validation that Lacage, which is a gay musical, got the commercial Broadway seal of approval, regardless right. of our feelings at the Tony Awards. It still had enough people say, yes, this is, you got our approval. Right. And I think it would have had a much long, I mean, and you know, I've talked to about this with some people on the original company. Had AIDS not gotten as intense as it did, it probably mm-hmm. would have had a much longer run. Hmm. It was supposed to move theaters and keep going, but there was such a dip because of AIDS. Okay. People wow. were like, you know, and people just, even though Lacage is one of the last gay musicals not to have AIDS or HIV as a part of it for such a long time, because right after that, we got falsettos then Mm -hmm. rent you know it's it was a steady stream of that so this is that nice little pocket where there's gay liberation but there's also no gay plague i also i wonder because of that when we study queer drama in an academic sense you Mm -hmm. know if we're progressing you know if we start with oscar wilde and we go up to you know whatever is the cutting edge, is the most progressive. Um, Do you think, and it's okay if not, is Lacage in that study? Is it in that curriculum, in that syllabus, or is it off to the side doing its own thing? It depends, I think, on what you're trying to get across to the the person you're teaching. Hmm. Uh, If for me, I'll be honest with you, if somebody said you have to put a musical in here, I would probably pick falsettos. Okay. Because I think falsettos is stronger dramaturgically. And mm. I think it not only it act one has, there's no AIDS. So it shows you what that little pocket was like of liberation. Mm-hmm. And then act two deals with the plague. And so I think to me, that's a more effective story because it. It, it's, it's so intertwined with queerness. And like I said, Lacage, yes, they're gay men. It could literally be, like I said, you can't take it with you. Eccentric artists. Right. You know, it's not, right. it's not the, the, the queerness could actually be swapped out for different things. Mm-hmm. And you would still have the same story. You can't do that with falsettos. You can't say, well, they're not queer anymore. Right. That's true. You know, and we'll make them something else that you can't do that. It's like a house of cards. So I don't think Lacage is on that particular list okay. of reading. But certainly changes the trajectory of Harvey Firestein's career. Um, oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, because first of all, Torch Song Trilogy is brilliant, but it that's allowed- on that syllabus, you know, that's oh, absolutely. There. Absolutely. But it allowed, you know, and he was very young at the time, but it also mm-hmm. it, it gave him a stamp of commercial approval because Torch mm-hmm. Song had gone, I think, from La Mama over a number of years. So to, to be brought in to be the book writer of a big, splashy, multi-million dollar Broadway musical, Jerry Herman, Arthur Lawrence, that mm-hmm. gives him a huge stamp of commercial approval. Which stamp of commercial approval feels like that's his business card now right yeah absolutely you know it's so funny because in um 
that PBS, the American musical series from mm-hmm. years ago that Julie Andrews hosted, he's interviewed and he talks about Lacage and he says, listen, Lacage isn't the first gay musical, but it's the first one that made money. And that's and that's why it's important. And it's true. That is true. It's true. Yeah. But this I mean, Torch Song, yes, gave him the seal of approval, but this is from the ground up commercial. It's not mm-hmm. at La Mama. You know what I mean? It automatically puts him in a high level. Talk about you want a CD club. I bet they could have given you one. I bet they could have pulled it. Absolutely. Off. I mean, that to me is like the Lacage that I like, where it's a seedier nightclub. It's a little campy because um, mm. that's that's what that would have been when it's like 90 guys like coming down trapezes and going down fire poles, which is what like the original had. You're like, right. How like how much dramaturgically I just go, doesn't this guy, the father in law, doesn't he know this is the biggest club on the Riviera? Like, how does he not know who runs it, who owns it? Right. And then he's surprised when he comes in. He's like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. I don't know. So I I I like the I'd like to I'd like to see what the next revival looks like. Yeah. And do you have any further like is there anything you haven't seen yet in a production of Lacage that you would be eager to see in a new revival I you know they hinted at it in the last one I'd like to see more of it what exactly what is the threat okay. what is what is the threat why do these guys have to hide what goes on in this because right now I can't tell right now it looks like mm-hmm. everything's fine and also what's really hard is you don't meet your the antagonist until halfway through act two, mm. which is you don't meet the father-in-law until halfway through act two. So like, how do you get that sense of what his homophobia is going to be like towards the beginning of the show? Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. And which like, obviously in the movie they can. Oh, in the around, movie. You know? Yeah. And, and in the movie he get, if you remember when the guy picks on him at the bar, uh, beats him he, up. Be, yeah. he beats him up and we laugh because it's a funny ju- you know it's a funny smash cut from you know him looking at the tall guy and then him laying with an ice pack but right. at the end of the day he got beat up because he was gay right like that's that's what's going that's... on here like do we and maybe you know maybe there was a feeling in the original production I don't know I never talked to Arthur Lawrence about it but maybe there was a feeling in the original production that if they bring in too much of that it's going to make it quote unquote political or it's going to mm. take the audience out of it you know right. so and I don't then, know I, like I said I know it gets criticism today but I still think it was it's such a valuable valuable step forward for the queer community absolutely yeah absolutely well Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Please, listeners, make sure to purchase a copy of 50 Key Stage Musicals by visiting Routledge.com or by clicking in today's show description. If you want to learn more about Lacage, please also review the links in the below description. I am Andrew Child, and thank you for listening to 50 Key Stage Musicals, the podcast. Hey world, I am what I am. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.